Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Victory Family Church, how we doing? stuff. It is so good to see you here today. Um, Just honored to be hanging out with you guys again today in Chickasha. I know I was here just a couple weeks ago, uh, so you're probably wondering why in the world is this guy up here again? Well, guess what? It's too bad. I'm here anyway, so you're just like, just going to have to put up with it. Uh, No, I'm always honored and uh, grateful for the opportunities that I have to come hang out with you guys here in Chickasha. Um, Just love what God is doing here. Love the, the, the community of people that God is bringing together to do life together and to make a difference in this community. And, uh, and really, just obviously, it starts with your leaders. Can we honor your pastors, Pastor David and Brittany, and just thank them for all that they do? Amen. So grateful for them and their leadership. Grateful for the leadership of our senior pastors as well, Pastor Adam uh, and Christy. We are, we are finishing up our series in the book of Philippians. This is week seven, and this is the final week of this series. I was actually doing a little bit of my final like sermon prep last night in my room, and my youngest daughter, Ezra, she came in in, in the room, and she said, Dad, are you preaching tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, I'm preaching in Chickasha tomorrow. And she, she looked at me, and she kind of put like her hand on my face, and she said, Dad, you're going to do so good tomorrow. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I appreciate it. And she said, and even if you don't, I'll still be proud of you. <laughs> and so I, I hope today's message is encouraging and challenging and helpful to you. But even if it's not, my five-year-old is still going to be proud of me today. And that's all that matters. Come on, that's all that matters. Philippians chapter four is where we're at. Uh, we're going to be finishing up this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he started in the city of Philippi, Philippians chapter four, and I'm going to start reading in verse 10. It said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content. Everyone say content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I know I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, 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 come on somebody, we going to get that one right in the second service, all right? You guys are just my test, testing out here. You sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is, is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you think that would be the end of Philippians, but it's not. He says amen and then keeps going. It's a weird prayer. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, we'll just keep going. Verse 21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send their greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And that is the book of Philippians. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. 
We're so thankful to be here today, gathered together as a family, and just be able to open your word up together. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would, in, that you would challenge us, that you would help us today. Draw us closer to you. Make us more like you today through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I, I, don't know, I don't know if you remember a time in your life when there was something that you really, really wanted. Like one specific thing that you wanted so bad. Not even just a little bit, not just kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to have this. It's like, no, I have to have this. For me, when I was a kid, it was a Game Boy Color. Y'all remember Game Boys? Those things were sweet, man. I had the regular Game Boy, and I remember just how revolutionary that was, that my brother and I could sit in the back seat of our car on our long road trips and be able to play video games in the back seat of the car, man. It's just so stinking cool that I could do that. And then I remember when the Game Boy Color came out, the graphics on that thing, so sick, right? Like, I know all these video games got these incredible graphics now, but like back then that was like, oh my gosh, I can have a color like graphic video game in my hand. This is incredible. And so all year long leading up to Christmas, I wasn't even dropping hints to my parents. I'm just straight up telling them, I want a Game Boy Color. Like, I don't care if I don't get anything else. I don't care if I don't get anything for my birthday. I have to have this Game Boy Color. And Christmas came around, and you know what I didn't get? A Game Boy Color. And, and I can't, listen, I can't blame my parents for it. Game Boy Colors were expensive. We were not exactly a family of a lot of means. Probably would not have been smart or wise for my parents to get me a Game Boy Color. But I was disappointed, and I remember going back to school after Christmas break and seeing all my friends with their Game Boy Colors. And, and I remember having this sense of like a discontentment, this feeling that, that something was missing in my life, right? Like there was something that I really wanted, but I, that I did not have. And that's a dumb example. And it's probably not a Game Boy Color that's got you feeling discontent today. But I do think that all of us know that feeling, the feeling of discontentment, the, this restless desire for something that you don't have, a feeling like something is missing in your life, that feeling that like when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, it feels like maybe you have in some ways just missed it. Like maybe you know what it is to be discontent with a job, right? A job that you were excited about getting and you thought that it was going to be a great job and maybe it still is, but it's not quite giving you purpose like you thought it would. Or maybe you know what it's like to be discontent with a relationship, Maybe marriage isn't exactly what you thought it would be. Maybe you know what it is to be discontent with your finances because it feels like every time you look at your bank account, it feels like something is missing. Maybe a lot of something is missing. Come on, somebody, right? We all know what it's like to be discontent. And, and this isn't a new feeling for us. This isn't new to our generation because of all the things that we have in our world. This started all the way back in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with God. They had fellowship with God. They got to walk with God every single day in the garden. And of course, the serpent came along and he played to their desire for the thing that they did not have. They, they had everything they could ever want, everything they could ever need. They had perfect fellowship with God in the garden, and yet the enemy tempted them with the one thing that they did not have, the one thing they could not have, the fruit from that tree. And you ever think about that? It's fruit that got them. Fruit. You ever been tempted by fruit? Like not like a donut maybe, right? Or like Texas Roadhouse rolls with cinnamon butter, maybe, but fruit, 
fruit is what got Adam and Eve. Surely, the Bible doesn't mention it, but surely there was at least like some of that caramel dip in the middle, right? For them to be able to take that apple and dip it in that caramel. It's fruit that got them. It's the one thing that, that, that God said no to. And it's the one thing that they did not have. And it's the enemy that tempted them and made them feel like the one thing they did not have was the one thing that they had to have. And today the enemy, he's up to his same old tricks. Right? You could have all that you could ever want, all that you could ever need. You could have perfect fellowship and relationship with God and yet still end the day feeling discontent with your life because there's still something out there that the enemy has, has caused you to believe that you cannot live without. Right? So last week and this week, they're going to feel pretty connected because we're still in Philippians chapter 4. So if you remember last week, we talked about the peace of God. And today we're going to be talking about the contentment of God, that, that God invites us into a life of contentment. And, and I think one major difference there is that peace comes from understanding that God is in control and contentment comes from understanding that God is enough, right? Peace comes from understanding that God is in control and contentment comes from understanding that God is all that you need. And just like last week, we saw that peace takes practice. I think today we'll, we'll be able to understand that contentment is learned. And so in this passage, Paul, he takes us to the school of contentment so that he can teach us how we can combat this feeling. This feeling that we need more, that we have to have something that we don't have, that there is something that it is missing. How can we be content in our lives? Look again at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Everyone say content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, we've covered this a lot in this series already, that the Apostle Paul was writing this letter from prison. It's not the first time that he was in prison. In fact, when he started at the church that he's writing to, he also was in prison during that time. Uh, and it's not just prison that Paul's gone through. He's gone through a lot more than just prison. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, he tells us a lot of the things that he's gone through. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Shipwrecked three times. You ever been shipwrecked once? Nope, me neither. Three times Paul's been shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. Come on, he's out here in Oklahoma being in danger. In danger at sea and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked besides everything else I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If you ever feel like your life is hard, maybe just go read this passage, right? I'm thankful that this is in the Bible because it really can help put some things in our lives in perspective. Like it would have been easy for Paul and maybe even understandable for Paul too, with all that he's gone through to just to, to grow bitter to be upset, to be angry with God, it would have been easy for him after just a few of these things to be like, all right, Lord, I'm done. Like if this is what it takes to follow you, if this is what it takes to serve you, if this is what it takes to preach the gospel, then I'm out. I'm not gonna do this anymore. But instead of getting bitter 
Instead of allowing his difficulties to define him, instead of quitting what God had called him to simply because of the things that he went through, he chose to see his difficulties not as agents of destruction, but as some of his greatest teachers. Because if you want to be content in your life, you've got to learn from your difficulties. You've got to learn from your difficulties. Paul said, I have learned, everyone say learned, to be content no matter the situation that I'm in. And this is hard because let's be real. The last thing you want to do when you're going through a storm is learn. You just want to make it through the storm. That's all you're concerned about. I just want to get through this. I remember a couple months ago, driving back from Tulsa in the worst storm I've ever driven in. Thankfully, no tornadoes, but literally like everything else, like terrible wind, the amount of rain that was coming down, like filling the road, hard to drive without hydroplaning. There's semis on the side of the road and some semis that are still trying to drive in it. It was terrible. And while I'm driving through that, I'm not thinking like, huh, I wonder what clouds are like making this storm happen right now. Like what kind of cloud is that? Not like thinking like, huh, how can I learn right now? Like how I can drive maybe better in the next storm that I'm in, right? So next time I'm in a storm, I can drive better. How can I learn right now? I'm just thinking, I'm trying to get out of this stupid storm. I can't wait until this storm is over. I just want to get on the other side of this storm. And I think we do the same thing with the difficulties in our life. We just think, I, I, I just want to get through this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to learn anything. I don't want to, I just want to make it through this storm. I just want to make it through this difficulty. But what if we stop seeing our storms as things that have been sent to destroy us and instead as opportunities to teach us, opportunities to learn? Because here's the thing, your difficulties don't have to define you. Someone needs to hear that. Your difficulties in life do not have to define you. They don't get to determine your value and your worth and the things that you can accomplish in your life. Your divorce does not have to define your life. Your sickness does not have to define your life. Your financial difficulties do not have to define your life. Your difficulties in life don't have to define you, but they can teach you. And there's some really great things that we can learn from the difficulties that we go through. I don't know if you have been somewhere that you don't want to be before, right? It's the worst feeling. Like you're at a party, you don't want to be there. You're at like a gathering, a group of people. You don't care to talk to anybody there. And it's just like, I can't wait till I'm done with this. I can't wait till I'm out of this space, right? Every conversation you're in, you can't even be present because you're just like, I don't even want to talk to you right now. I'd rather be home watching the game. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be here right now. And honestly, I think a lot of our discontentment in life comes from being in spaces that we don't want to be in. Like I don't want to be in this storm, I'd rather be in a season of life where things are good and things are easy. Like, I don't want to have to walk through this right now. Like, I don't want to be in this struggle. I don't want to be at work. I'd rather be in Hawaii. Come on, somebody. Like, that's, I don't want to be here right now. A lot of our discontentment comes from being in spaces in life where we don't want to be. And so your circumstances may not be what you want them to be. But what if God could use where you're at to prepare you for where he wants to bring you? Like, what if instead of saying, God, I wish I wasn't here God, I wish I wasn't going through this. Instead, we could say, God, I may not like it here and I may not like what I'm going through and I may not understand why I'm going through this, but while I'm here, I'm gonna learn. While I'm here, I'm gonna let you teach me some things. While I'm here, I'm going to allow you to use these difficulties to make me better so that I'm prepared for what is to come. And I think one of the things that we'd learn is how to be content in every circumstance we're in. There's someone by the name of Joni Erickson Tata. She's an author who writes a lot about suffering and a lot about contentment. 
And she has some kind of grounds to write on when it comes to this because when she was a teenager, she was in a driving accident that left her as a quadriplegic. And in one of her, her writings, she said this. She said, contentment has, internal, has an internal quietness of heart that gladly submits to God in all circumstances. Can you imagine going through what she's gone through? Be, like having this accident that, that just completely changes everything about her life. And saying contentment has an internal quietness of heart that gladly submits to God in all circumstances. It's not easy, but it's possible to be content in every circumstance you find yourself in. It's not easy, but it is possible to instead of allowing our our circumstances and difficulties to attempt to destroy us, to actually learn from our difficulties. It is possible. It's not easy, but it's possible to submit to God in every circumstance. Let's not become bitter today. Let's, let's, Let's learn. Let's see how we can grow and get better. Look at, look at verse 13. Philippians 4.13. Maybe it's for sure the most popular passage in this letter. Maybe one of the most popular verses in the Bible. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now this is, this is the passage that we like to use to make ourselves like spiritual superheroes, right? This is the passage we like to use when we're trying to hit a new bench press max, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Honestly, I often I think we'll use this verse um, to basically get God to co-sign our own vision for our lives. That we'll just like dream up all the things we want to accomplish in life and then we'll say, I can do all this through God who gives me strength. And we won't actually submit to the things that God wants us to do because we think God's just gonna strengthen us to do the things that we want to do. But that's a whole nother sermon completely beside the point. Look at the context. Look at the context of this verse. Paul isn't saying that now he can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Right? He's not saying that he can now bench 500 pounds. He's not saying that he can now get every job that he applies for. He is talking about contentment. He's saying that he has learned to be content regardless of his circumstances and not by his own strength, but by the strength of God. Because if you want to be content, you've got to rely on God's strength. You've got to rely on his strength. And I think when it comes to this, we'll do one of two things. We will either underestimate the power of God's strength at work in our lives, right? We'll underestimate what God can do through us. Or, and I think this is where we we really get into trouble, we will overestimate the power of our own strength. And we will attempt to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Michael Jordan in 1990, he scored uh, 69 points, which was uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's the highest point total that he ever had in a game. And uh, whenever at the end of the game, the game was obviously well out of reach. And so they brought in all the scrubs and a rookie by the name of Stacy King came into the game. He got fouled. He hit one of his two free throws. And at the end of the game, he said this. He said, I'll always remember this as the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. It's like, bro, you didn't actually do anything. Like you shot 50% from free throw. Like that's what you did. You were one of two from free throws. And you're out here talking about me and Michael Jordan scored 70 points tonight. Like what? Get out of here. And honestly, I think sometimes we're kind of like that. We're like, man, look at how great I am. Look at how much I've accomplished. Look at how successful I've become. Look at all that I've been able to do. Listen to me, prideful person. Everything you have is by the grace of God. 
everything you've been able to accomplish is by the grace of God. Every success that you have had in your life is only by the grace and by the strength of God alone. It is dangerous to be singing your own praises when things are going well, because when things stop going well, man, you're going to find yourself in despair and in discontentment. No, contentment comes when you realize that everything does not depend on you. It comes when you understand that God is strong in your weakness. Paul, again, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you get how freeing this is? How freeing this is. Listen to me. Mama, everything does not depend on you. Listen to me, dad, everything does not depend on you. Grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, listen to me. Stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Everything does not depend on you. Yes, we're called to co-labor with Christ. Yes, there are going to be seasons where we've got to carry some load and we've got to do some difficult things and make some tough decisions. But listen to me, when you are too weak, when you don't have the wisdom or the understanding or the experience that you think you need in order to do the things that God has called you to, when you're feeling outmatched, it is in your weakness that God makes himself strong. It's when you feel too weak to do it. When you feel overwhelmed and you feel outmatched as a parent or as a spouse or as a leader and you're thinking, God, I don't have what I need to do what you've called me to. It is in that moment that God makes himself strong. It's in your weakness that God makes himself strong. We can trust him. And when we trust him and when you realize that that everything does not depend on you, you'll find yourself experiencing the contentment that God invites us into find yourself experiencing that contentment in life. We've got to rely on the strength of God. I'm not going to read, reread verses 14 through 20, but this main section of this passage, Paul, he writes this kind of elaborate thank you to the Philippian church for the financial gift that, that they sent him. Remember, this is why the letter was written, right? Paul's in prison and the Philippian church hears that he's in prison. So they send Epaphroditus with a financial gift to support Paul in prison. And Paul gives this letter to Epaphroditus to bring back to the Philippian church. And here's what's cool. All the commentaries that I read believe that the Philippian church, they were not giving out of excess. They were not giving because they just had a ton of money and they didn't know what to do with all the money that they had. They were giving self-sacrificially. They were a bunch of poor people who were doing life together and decided Paul's in need So let's sacrifice so that we can make sure that Paul is taken care of. They gave at great personal cost for themselves. And Paul, he writes this thank you as a a way of just being able to celebrate the the life of self-sacrificial love that they were living through their generosity. And it teaches us that if we want to be content, we've got to live generously. We've got to live generously. Now, how is generosity tied to contentment? Because discontentment Remember, is this feeling like something is missing. It's this restless desire for something that you do not have. And when you practice giving things away, even when you 
feel like there are things that you don't have. There are things that you really, really want. And yet in the midst of that, you practice giving things away. It teaches you that there are so many things in, our, in this life and in this world that we tell ourselves that we need that we don't actually need at all. I mean, think about it. Our greatest source of discontentment is money. How often do you think, if only I had that kind of money? If only I could buy that kind of house. If only I could buy that kind of vehicle. If only I could afford the vacation that this person on Instagram is going on. That vacation would be awesome. And if only I could do that, then I would be content with my life. And one of the greatest things that you can do, and maybe even hardest things you can do, when you find yourself feeling discontent in life, is figure out ways to live open-handedly is figure out ways that you can give more away. Guys, this is hard for me. If I can be honest, this is hard for me. This is hard. Because some days I just need that $7.50 latte. You know what I mean? Like I need it. It's not that I want it. I need it, guys. I've got two kids. They're driving me crazy. I need this $8 latte today, right? Or there's, there's days I walk by that, I walk by that H&M in the mall and I see this, this shirt and I'm like, man, I need that shirt. Yeah, my closet's full of shirts. I need that shirt. It's sweet, though. I don't have that shirt. I need that shirt. Some days I'm thinking, like, you know what? I need that phone upgrade. My phone's paid off, and it's working fine, but, man, I sure do need that phone upgrade. It sure would be great, right? So many things in life that we tell ourselves that we, that we need, that we have to have, but what if we stopped thinking that we actually needed all this dumb stuff? What if we actually became content with the things that we had? I, I think we'd learn how to live more open-handedly. I think we'd figure out ways to live generously. Look at verse 18. He said, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Paul, talking about the gift that they gave him, uses Old Testament sacrificial language because sacrificial giving is not only a way to further the purpose of God, it's not only a way to support and strengthen God's servants, but sacrificial giving serves as an offering to the Lord. In other words, it is an opportunity for us to worship the Lord. It is pleasing to God when we live generous lives. And it's not just about our financial giving, right? It's about giving of your time to be a friend to someone who's having a difficult Season. It's, it's giving of your energy to serve the church that God's connected you with. It's giving up a chill Saturday so that you can help out a friend who is in need. Every time that you give, not just out of excess, but sa- sacrificially, ac- actually sacrificing, laying yourself down for the sake of someone else. Every time you give, it is worship to the Lord and it's evidence of God's love at work in you. Look at verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of preachers will use this verse to like manipulate you into giving, right? It's like, if you give, God's going to give back to you and God's going to bless you. This isn't transactional. This is not about treating God as some kind of vending machine where we have to put a dollar in in order to get our blessing from God. That's not what this is. This is about becoming the type of person who lives, who trusts God enough to give sacrificially. It is about becoming the type of person who trusts God enough to live and to give sacrificially. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, some of you have probably read it before, but, but he talks about identity-based goals. And we have this chart on the, that'll come up on the screen. So in this, he talks about essentially that that when we have some changes that we want to make in our lives, 
that we shouldn't just start with, with the outcome. We shouldn't, right? The goal shouldn't just be that we want to work out, right? The goal should be that we want to become the type of person who works out. It starts with the inside circle, the identity, right? The goal shouldn't just be, I want to read every day. The goal should be, I want to become a reader. Because if you want to successfully change your habits, you have to shift your identity. And this is a subtle shift, but it's an important one. Because if you start with that outside circle, you start with the outcomes, and you start living in a way and trying to do something new, something different, change your actions, then you're going to find yourself frustrated as you move inward because you're acting in a way that does not line up with who you are. It does not line up with your identity, right? But if instead you start with that middle circle, if instead you focus on who you want to become, shifting your identity, then you'll find your actions satisfying because they're helping you become who you want to become. And here's why this is important. I know it's going to help somebody. The goal isn't just to live generously. That's not the goal. It's to become the type of person who trusts God enough to live generously. You can give generously and still be grumpy, right? You can give generously and still not be a generous person. Like you're just mad and you know you're supposed to give, so you give, and every time you give, you're mad about it, and you're thinking about all the other things that you could buy with the stuff that you're giving away, right? And you're like, ah, this is terrible. We have to become generous people. The goal is to allow God to shift our perspective on who we are, who he's called us to be, that we don't give because we want God to bless us. We don't give because we want like a seat at the table. We don't give because we want to be noticed or seen. We give because generous is who God has called us to be. And in Paul's experience, here's what's cool. In Paul's experience, when you are the type of person who trusts God enough to live generously, God will make sure that all your needs are met. When you're the type of person who trusts God enough to give sacrificially, God will make sure that all your needs are met. Do you see how this is tied to contentment? You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about your needs being met. You don't have to worry about having the things that you need in life because when you are the type of person who has lived, who has learned to live a generous lifestyle, God will make sure that all your needs are taken care of. In this letter, we've seen Paul. And we've seen that he, he knows what it is to be the best of the best. He knows what it is to be wealthy and liked. He knows what it is to have everything that he could ever want. And he also knows what it is to have nothing. He knows what it is to be shipwrecked and in prison. He knows what it is to be beaten and left for dead. And in this example, he knows what it is to be in prison, lonely, maybe even afraid, the trial that's coming up, potentially looking in the face of death, just to have a friend show up with a gift from a community that he loves. And in every single one of the circumstances that he has found himself in, he has learned to be content. And if that's something that Paul can learn, then we can learn that too. In our world, contentment sometimes gets a bad rep because we think if we get content in life, then we're gonna stop growing. Right? We're going to stop pushing. We're going to stop moving forward. We're going to stop getting better. That we can't become content because then we're going to stop going forward. And I get that. And I'm not advocating that we shouldn't like that we should stop getting better or that we shouldn't be passionate or driven or work hard towards the things that God has called us to. But I'm just afraid that we can hustle and we can achieve and we can succeed. And at the end of the day, still feel like something's missing. Still feel like we've missed it. 
still feel like all of that we all that we've accomplished is not enough. Contentment is not settling for less, but it's trusting that if you have Jesus, then you have all that you need. If you have Jesus, listen to me, if you have Jesus, then you have all that you need. I know there's some things that you want. I know there's some things that you feel like would make your life a lot easier. I know there's some things that you look around and you compare on social media and think, man, it sure would be nice to have that. But listen to me, if you have Jesus, then you have all that you need. Paul's contentment came from his relationship with Jesus. Yes, he was in prison, but he had Jesus. Yes, he was facing potential death, but he had Jesus. And if he can learn to be content in his life, regardless of the circumstances, because of his relationship with Jesus, then you and I can learn that same thing too. You and I can experience the contentment that God invites us into. We can have a life that regardless of our circumstances and our difficulties and every situation that we face, we can be content as long as we're walking in relationship with the Lord. It's in him that true contentment is found. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we're so so grateful today for your grace and for your goodness. God, we're so thankful for all the blessings that you have given us, how good you've been to us. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to experience contentment in you today. God, that this, this feeling of needing more, this feeling that something is missing, God, I pray that, that you would wash that feeling away as we realize and understand that you are all that we need. God, that we can trust you. We can trust you when we feel weak. We can trust you when we feel like we don't have what we need. God, we can trust you because you are enough. You are all that we need. We look to you today to find true contentment in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're not walking with Jesus. You've got some sin in your life and you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Hope you understand that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Jesus died on the cross so that you can have relationship with the Father. And if you want to experience that relationship today, you want to walk with Jesus, live for Jesus, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and be the Lord of your life, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. Would you lift your hand in the air right where you're at? You want to follow Jesus today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray this prayer together as a family? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. I trust you. And I'll find contentment in you and you alone. Help me to live for you. Give me the strength that I need. Even when I'm weak and even when temptation comes, that I would follow you every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Chickasha. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.